Welcome to the Transcend Health Podcast, where we aim to entertain, educate, and empower our listeners to move beyond pain and injury. Stay tuned to hear interesting conversations about rehabilitation, movement, strength and fitness, plus lots of advice to get you moving and feeling your best. Hello listeners and welcome to the Transcend Health Podcast. I'm Luke, one of the physios here, and I'm sitting with Jackie Allenson, uh, exercise physiologist and co-owner of Transcend Health. Happy to be here, Luke. So today, I'm, we're going to talk through some running mythbusters. So Excellent. I think Jackie's going to take the lead on this because she's the... Um, the resident runner. <laughs> the resident runner, exactly. So I've kind of Googled a few of these. Jackie's encountered some of these ollie threw a, a couple into the ring so we'll just okay. run through them one at a time okay. and you can do your best to bust some of these myths right i'll do my best okay runners are at a higher risk of injury than other forms of exercise now i've personally heard this before people have come in and been told that they shouldn't run because it's going to be bad for them yeah absolutely what do you think about this one so i think there was a um, you know, 70% of runners will injure themselves in the first year, and of that 70%, they'll re like 50% will re injure in the next year, or something like that was a statistic I remember hearing years ago. And when you look at running and running mechanics, we're never really taught how to run. And I'd like to see someone, for example, go into a CrossFit class and not actually be taught any of the moves and see if the injury risk would be any different. And that's ultimately where I come back to with running and in their increased risk of injury is that not when done well and not with proper coaching and instruction and really being mindful of increasing loads gradually not running too fast too hard too long too soon just like you would with crossfit or powerlifting or gymnastics or any other sport yeah and i think that that's the thing like people just get out and go for a run because you don't need anything and Mm. um, yeah you mightn't feel like you need that instruction and especially like over COVID where mm. people were kind of locked inside and wanted to get out and, and run more. Mm. They kind of went from zero to a hundred and maybe were picking up a few niggles, but not because running's bad, more that they haven't run in years and years and years yeah. and then just went out and ran 10K. Got a great analogy for this. And yeah. it's um, about drawing as well. So you don't pick up a pencil. So if you stop drawing when you're five years old, and you pick up a pencil when you're 35 years old, you're probably going to draw like a five-year-old because that's the last <laughs> time you picked up a pencil. It's the same thing with running. If the st- last time you ran was at five years old and then you just start running again at 35, you're probably going to run like a five-year-old, which considering the way the body changes and develops is you're probably going to have some, some things to work out in those first few phases, which is just the learning how to run well. And that needs to take that slow progression time and people don't have that patience. They want to go out and... Run a marathon. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Running is the best way to lose weight. Oh, no, I don't believe this at all. I put on the most weight when I'm doing more of my running training. Um, I, a few things that come into play there is that, firstly, if you're not being currently physically active and you start running or you start walking as your only form of physical activity with a calorie deficit, you probably will lose weight initially. 
but it's also very stressful on the body and certainly when you get into your higher training load so let's say you're training for your first half marathon you're training for your first marathon it can be very stressful there's lots of load on the body so cortisol is high you're not really creating an environment in which your body is going to lose weight the better ways to lose weight and i think this is off the back of people think that cardio in general is the way to lose weight that if i want to lose weight i need to go out there i need to sweat i need to like get the heart rate pounding and i need to just yeah. long hard intense intervals of cardiovascular effort and it's really not the best way to lose weight what we want to see people doing is being smarter and doing probably a more efficient way of losing weight is the best way to describe it of increasing their metabolic rate through lifting heavy things putting them down again building muscle mass boosting that basal metabolic rate increasing that energy demand that will last across the course of the day not just the 30 40 60 minutes that you're out pounding the pavement yeah, and just being consistent over time as well. Yes, absolutely. Okay. You can wear your... Ri- I'll say that again. You can wear your knees out running, or running wears your knees out. I've, if I could have a penny, or if I could have five cents for every single time I heard that, I reckon I'd be a millionaire by now. Um, running does not wear your knees out. So the I suppose people don't want to run because they think if I ran, my knees are going to wear out. That's not the case when I've not, I don't have the study in front of me, but the research has shown that people who have been runners actually have stronger knees than those who don't. And the incidence of runners who have knee replacements is no more than the general population of those who don't run. So it doesn't wear your knees out. I'd actually argue that not running wears your knees out because you haven't used them. Yeah, we do something and it makes, like our tissues adapt, makes us stronger. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and the body, it's not a mechanical thing where it just gets, yeah, rusty joints and stuff like that. So could you imagine if your car, instead of wearing parts out um, on the parts that rub, actually made it stronger? You'd drive your car everywhere, wouldn't you? Okay, I already know what you're going to say about this next one. Okay. Um, runners should not lift weights. Oh, that's a lie. <laughs> that is a lie. Um, so I suppose this is off the back I think of the um, the myth that the best thing for running is running and that doing more of the same thing will give you better results which firstly doing more of the same thing can lead to overuse injuries strength training gives you variability in your training which is good for maintaining strength across other areas of your body that might not be loaded through running it reduces the load on those parts because you're not loading them in that same running habit again and again and again Uh, It's been shown to increase performance, so those who are strong are high-performing runners. And uh, it has also been linked to reduced injury risk. And I was reading one on, I think it was soccer players or European rugby players, and the reduction of injuries with the introduction of strength training protocols and strength and conditioning as part of their usual season i think this wasn't at elite level this is at club level yeah um and just how there's been more and more strength and conditioning strength training protocols brought in at more of those grassroots levels and we're seeing less and less injuries after it so you can never really say we've prevented injury but certainly the statistics are showing there's a lower prevalence of injuries with the introduction of strength training yeah and i think that is with anything if you become really specialized and just go down doing the same thing over and over again um, it does put you at more risk of injury. So just adding some balance into mm. your training, um, whether if all you're doing is running, add some strength training, if all you're doing is 
strength training all the time. You could add some running, add some yoga, yeah, add some more stretching or something like that just to try and get some balance. Yeah. I think a good example there is like, you know, you wouldn't go and do, if you want big biceps, you wouldn't just go and do 5,000 bicep curls. <laughs> or maybe you would, but, you know, you'd get a big bicep, but then just the overload you put on the joints around that is, um, yeah. yeah. You wouldn't be able to wash your hair. <laughs> I just I don't know how that would work. I can't bend my elbow. Okay. Next one. Humans aren't built for running due to the shape of their pelvis. Oh my God. I've heard this one a lot as well. Um, there's something, I think it came from, I don't know, strength, CrossFit, something. This girl came and told me once that I shouldn't be running because humans weren't meant to run. My response to her was, so what is it that toddlers do after they learn to walk? (laughs) (laughs) And um, I suppose it's a natural movement pattern. We've been upright, walking, running for how many thousands of years? We were born to run. It's just something that we are set up to do. Um, If we weren't meant to do it, like if we weren't meant to fly, we wouldn't have wings, right? And look at that, we don't have wings. So um, I really feel like that's just, yeah, nah. Yeah, I can't imagine them hunting for for food back in the day without you know having to run or do anything yeah. like that like <laughs> absolutely i mean there, there are caveats to that of like oh someone may, may have a pelvis that was you know a bit painful floppy whatever and they, they were given that advice of your pelvis is currently not suited to running loads which could have been extrapolated into humans aren't meant to run because of the shape of their pelvis but i think that's a wide stretch of that would have been an acute and isolated situation and someone's applied it to everyone. Yeah, I don't know where that one's come from, but <laughs> doesn't seem to be very valid. No. Okay, here's a, here's a question, kind of getting away from the myths, but I guess there are, within this question, people have their preferences and there's probably myths built into this. Is, yeah. Um, what kind of shoes are best for running? Because, yeah, some people think barefoot's the way to go, some want lots of cushion support. Um, what's your take on this whole field? Look, I'd really love to get a, a barefoot minimalist zealot and a hocker zealot and put them in the same room and have them go at each other because that would be, hocker is a big cushioned shoe. That would be hilarious to watch. But yeah. across the board, there is no one perfect shoe and it comes down to the individual, their preference, their training load, what they've adapted to. Uh, back when barefoot became a thing, they were looking at this will solve all running problems. People will have fantastic knees. They won't have any injuries. It's been, you know, whatever. Yeah. We've prevented all injuries. And it did actually create more injuries, but in different places. So people were finding they had calf and Achilles issues after that. And ultimately it was just they went from cushion shoes with raised heels to no heel raise and no cushioning, and they were loading up their calves. Yeah. That's an adaptation issue. That's that's not barefoot shoes issue, but that's the you know the barefoot shoe is not going to be meant for everyone because people are going to have different tolerances to calf loading, and you will have probably better calves for loading and running in barefoot compared to me because you wear barefoot shoes every day, whereas I run every day in a four mil drop shoe. Yeah. Also taking that to the other side, you've got these massively cushioned heel raised shoes, and you know people can still injure in those shoes. They're not injury-proofing shoes and they're, and they're no more or no less incidence of injury than a barefoot shoe. 
So it really comes down to personal preference. And the best thing I ever heard was from a podiatrist, which is like, just go buy something comfortable. Yeah. Like find something that feels good, go for a bit of a trot around in it. You might need to change from season to season to different shoes that to find which one has the heel drop that suits you better. Um, you can give barefoot a go, but beware that you've got to adapt to it and you know, take three, six, 12 months to get to it. Don't go out and run your first half marathon in a pair of barefoot trainers when you've been running in a pair of hockers. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll definitely say that with the, with the barefoot is, I jumped on that bandwagon. I thought, yeah, we're born without shoes. Let's, you know, we should be getting around without shoes. Before that, I was wearing these big Brooks with, yeah, big, you know, <laughs> huge heel on it and orthotics for for years as well mm. all the arch support i could get and then just went completely the other <laughs> way and yeah it led to to heel pain um which yeah probably took about a year or year and a half to resolve and it's only you know so if you do want to go down that path what jackie was saying like anything you need to ease into it gradual exposure it's yeah i mean it's not your podiatrist trying to or your shoes shop salesman trying to get an extra few years of you buying the 200 dollar nikes and mizunos out of you it's they're actually helping you to progress season to season that you might start in a 13 mil shoe and then an eight mil the next season then a four mil the season after that and then into a barefoot or they might give you two shoes like you they might sell you your usual four mil Sacconis and give you like the, the zero drop shoes, but you're only doing, you know, two or three 400 meter efforts in the barefoot shoes a week versus doing all of your major runs in your usual shoes and then gradually progressing out. Yeah. Lots of ways to skin that cat. Yeah, I think that could be a, a podcast in itself. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's all the, the myth buses that I had. Do you have any uh, other ones that are plaguing you? <laughs> oh geez look there's there'll probably be heaps of them over the years that um i'll just be like oh that is just so not true um yeah no none that come to the top of my head at the moment what about running and back pain this is just one that's kind of just sprung into my head there because yeah. that's something that i've heard a lot of people say that they get a sore back when they run mm. um i don't know if this is a myth buster but what is your take on that well, I suppose I get a sore back when I run with a waist belt on and if I go do long, hard efforts, I can get a sore back. And certainly when you're out running, let's say 21 kilometres or 42 kilometres, so a marathon or a half marathon, and you're doing that, you're in that same posture for two hours, four hours. Well, for me it is, for other people it might be less, it might yeah. be more for others. <laughs> 20 minutes. 20 minutes, maybe not for a half marathon. But yeah. let's say you're doing a long distance and you're sustaining a posture for two yeah. hours you're doing the same repetitive movement and there is with road running like well, with running there is that repetition and it's a fairly like it's like a metronome it's like a fairly consistent like but 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 yeah now that to me sounds like the perfect kind of scenario of like a static posture that is stressful to the body that is got some level of impact i'm like you know what my back's going to probably be sore after this just because that that load as I do more of it, I should adapt to that. Yeah. But it's probably just, yeah, muscle fatigue. The fact that you're being in that static posture for a long time. Um, I would challenge that person, could they stand for two hours and not get back pain? Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, when was the last time people stood for two hours? 
So again, it's coming back to what we started with was yeah, um, yeah, exposure, graded exposure, like what yeah, what you're getting used yeah. to what you've what you've done before and how fast you're kind yeah. of just jumping straight in there. Absolutely, and certainly I think back pain's one of those great ones. There's lots of ways to reduce that so much faster than just going out and doing longer runs, which includes deadlifting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like you, and this is where that strength training thing comes back into it. If you do get pain with running, one of the best things you can do is diversify your training program and specifically strengthen those areas. If you're getting calf pain, do some work on it. If you're getting back pain, do some work on it. It doesn't mean that you're injured or damaged. It just means you have pain. And the best protection you can give yourself or the best chance that you can give yourself is being strong. And the way we build that strength and resilience is through strength training. So. Yeah. Come and see us for some deadlifts. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, I'm feeling super inspired to just get out and run around the block or something <laughs> after this. Yeah, no, I, um, I'm kind of feeling like I want to go for a trot myself, but yeah. i wait till the morning. Well, thanks for listening, guys. If you've got any other running, mus- uh, running myth busters, just send us a message or let us know and we might... Talk about it in the future. Yeah, we can do a take two. Yeah. Okay, thank (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Transcend Health Podcast. Please share this episode with someone who might find it helpful. And don't forget to hit subscribe so that you don't miss out on future episodes.